Hi, friends. This is Misty Phillip, and you are listening to the By His Grace podcast. Today's episode is a little bit out of the ordinary, but it is something that I have not been able to let go of. On today's episode, I have asked Mark Meckler, the president of Conventions of State Action, to come on the podcast today to talk about something that has been burdening my heart. I want to make a plea to parents who are considering vaccinating their children. I want you to take time and listen to my testimony, but then I also want you to listen to the wisdom that Mark has to share. So many of you may not know that our son Connor was born with club feet. This resulted in him being hospitalized several times throughout the first year of his life. Every time he went into the hospital, he would end up getting sick. He had multiple ear infections. He had a difficult time sucking and swallowing. One time he went into the hospital for a surgery and came home with the rotavirus. He had an operation on both of his feet with cast all the way up to his diaper and had diarrhea for over two months. Another time he went into the hospital and ended up having RSV. I was in the doctor's office with him several times a week. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer out here. I am not anti-doctor and I am not anti-vaccine either, but I believe that God gave us all kinds of alternative medicine and natural remedies to help us to be healthy and strong. If Connor would not have had surgical intervention with his feet, he never would have walked. So I want you to hear my heart on this. I am sharing this with you because Connor is a 23-year-old young man whose life will never be normal. Because I listened to my doctor who convinced me to get him caught up on his vaccinations, although he had been sick, when Connor received one of his regular childhood immunizations, he was vaccine injured. He began having grand mal seizures, and he seized continuously over the course of a couple of days. I took him to the pediatrician's office who met me in the waiting room and sent me down to Texas Children's. We were there overnight, but since they never saw him seizing, they sent us home and Connor continued to seize. And the seizures came closer and closer and closer together until his brain was on fire. We finally went back to Texas Children's and we got his seizures under control. But Connor didn't walk when he was supposed to. He didn't talk when he was supposed to. He was three and he still wasn't talking. The doctors said that he probably was on the autism spectrum, but really it was because he was brain injured by his vaccination that it caused him to have autoimmune encephalitis where his body built an antibody that continued to attack his brain. And this was after receiving one of his regularly scheduled childhood immunizations. He is now a young adult and he will never live a normal life. He has challenges that are too many to list. At one point, the pediatrician told us that he probably would never walk or talk and that we should put him in a home. 
This is why my heart was broken this week as I saw companies approving the vaccination for children ages 5 to 12. As the dose began to be administered, some of those doses that were given to children were mistakenly given adult doses of an emergency use vaccine. The vaccine that is being forced upon us is not I repeat, it is not approved. The only vaccine that is approved is the Comerity, which we in the United States cannot get. When asked about the potential side effects, I read that we're just going to have to give it to them to see what happens. I am tired of the shenanigans that I see and the evil that I see coming against this world. And so I know that I have got to make a stand. And if you are listening to this podcast and you've been vaccinated, please know that there is no judgment towards you. But if your children are not vaccinated, I want to implore you to seek God on behalf of your children as to whether this is right. Take and listen to this episode and take it before God and ask him what is right for you. Don't listen to your school board. Don't allow the government to force you to do something. You answer to God and to God alone. So I want to get into this episode and I just want to ask that if you listen to this and something in this has struck a chord with you that you agree with, I just ask that you would share it with others so that we can get this message out. There is a concerted effort on social media to squelch these voices who are standing up for truth. So please share this episode with everyone you know. Mark Meckler is the president of the Convention of States Foundation and Convention of States Action. Before the Convention of States Action, Mark was the co-founder of the Tea Party Patriots. Mark, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I want you to tell me and my listeners about the organizations that you lead and the work that you do. Sure. The organization is called Convention of States Action, and the primary purpose is to build the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. We do that by organizing around Article 5 of the United States Constitution. That article gives us the power as citizens to work through our state legislatures to call a convention of states with the purpose of proposing amendments to restrain federal tyranny. Everybody believes the federal government's out of control. Most people believe there's nothing we can do about it. Thank God the Constitution gives us the power to do something. It doesn't require the president or Congress or the courts. We, the people rising up from the states, can do something. What we can do is gather states, propose amendments. The amendments we're talking about are things that would impose term limits on the federal government, things that would impose financial restrictions on the federal government, and most importantly to me, things that would take power away from the federal government, like preventing them from being involved in, say, healthcare or education, things that most people, most people really don't want them involved in. The states do just fine job on their own. So that's what we're doing today. Over 5 million people are involved in the organization. Uh, we're in every single state legislative district in the United States of America. It takes 34 states to call a convention. So far, 15 states have done so. So we're well on our way. 
That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for the work that you are doing. I just want to throw this little caveat in there. You also serve as the interim CEO for Parler to help bring the free speech social media platform back up. So tell us about that. How did you get involved with that? Yeah, I mean, that's just God throwing something on my plate that I never intended to do. And, and really what happened was I saw Parler get taken down. I think that was one of the most stunning repressions of free speech probably in all of American history since the American Revolution. It was like having a printing press stolen in the early days or smashed up in the early days. This was the alternative platform where conservatives could speak freely within the bounds of the First Amendment only. And when I saw that go down, I reached out. I knew one of the major funders of that organization. I offered to help. I started helping, working to get them back online. Eventually, somehow, I just happened to be the guy in the room when they said, hey, we need a CEO. I said, temporarily, I was willing to take it over. So I was there from shortly after they went down until we got their technology rebuilt, got them back online, got them back in the app store. And then I stepped back into my primary role as the CEO of Convention of States Action. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you recently did a poll on uh, COVID-19 and national natural immunity with the Trafalgar group. And I want to talk about the outcomes of that poll and then kind of your reaction to that poll as well. Sure. What we found was a large plurality of voters. And just to clarify what that term means, it means it didn't make it across the 50% mark, but plurality meaning the majority of the people who responded. So 46.5% believe that natural immunity is better or at least as good as vaccinated immunity. Uh, And I think this is important because what it means is that most people get it right. And that is where we're at in America. I think also interestingly is when you look at how the voting public breaks down, as as you would expect, Republican voters believe this more thoroughly. It was 69%. I think the most interesting slice of the electorate or the independents, it was 53%. So an actual majority of independent voters believe that natural immunity is as good or better. And even almost a third of Democrats, it was 31% of Democrats. So the American public are getting this right and moving in the right direction, while our quote unquote health experts are actually not. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, the subject that I want to tackle today is actually Pfizer just approved the vaccine for children. And this is very alarming and concerning to me. Leading experts on COVID policy just recently had a summit in Florida, a COVID summit. And I want to share some of the outcomes with you. And then I want to get your reaction. So young children will be harmed in an ill-advised rush to vaccinate the population with very little chance of severe infection from the virus. So what the doctors were saying is children are most likely not going to be harmed by the virus, yet they're going to be harmed by by the vaccine. Here's to me, this is kind of the baseline issue. And I think this is actually the most important part about uh, vaccinating children. And I want to be clear, I'm not an anti-vax person. My kids were vaccinated for all the usual stuff when they were young. I don't necessarily like the protocols by which we vax. I think we should do it more slowly and spread it out. But I'm not an anti-vaccine person, generally speaking. I do know, and I say no, and I don't mean I believe, There are vaccine-related injuries, and anybody who says that there aren't, anybody who tells you that 
Anything has no downside, anything scientific, anything medical has no potential downside. They're just lying to you. And so this is where we get to the foundational issue in regarding especially five to 11 year olds, which is what they're just approving right now. There is virtually no risk. The statistical number makes it just an anomaly. It's near zero, the chance of kids getting seriously ill, ending up hospitalized or even dying. It's almost zero. So why would we put a foreign substance into their bodies? Why would we inject them with a foreign substance intended to remove a risk that's virtually zero? It makes no scientific sense. And more importantly, because it makes no scientific sense, I consider it immoral. It makes no moral sense. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with everything you just said. So Dr. Peter McCullough has been one of the people on the front line for treating COVID as opposed to just um, giving a shot for COVID. And one of the things that he said is there will be children will be lost. More children will be lost with the vaccination than COVID. And the maker of the mRNA, Dr. Robert Malone, he said the real risk for healthy kids is a about zero. It does appear to be lower than the flu. Um, so what can we do? Because the consensus is clear among the MDs and PhDs who are doing the research on the vaccine, who are the ones who are not afraid to step out and speak against it. What can we do as a parent to stand up against these tyrannical vaccine mandates. I know people are losing their jobs and I know patriots who say they are months away from retire, retiring. And they're like, I will make a stand for this because this is, is wrong. No matter what side you're on the vaccine issue, whether you've been vaccinated or not been vaccinated, this is really more about a rights issue and our, and our ability to be able to choose what's right for us. But I would love for you to speak into that. Yeah. So I want to start where you finished and then we'll work our way backwards from there. I think one of the most important things is what you said, making the distinction that this is a rights issue, that we as individuals have the right to decide what we put in our bodies or not. Now, I'm not a vaccinated person. I, I haven't been. I don't intend to be. I'm definitely not going to be vaccinated for COVID. And that's my choice. Now, I have lots of people around me who have been vaccinated and they've made that choice. And I'm not critical of them for making that choice. I am critical of individuals who don't study, who won't look at both sides of the issue and try to decide what they believe is true and correct. I think our medical establishment, the pharmaceutical giants, some of the medical researchers, some doctors, they want to cudgel us into doing what they say is right. It's important to remember medicine is referred to, and I'm a lawyer myself, referred to much like the law. It is a practice, right? And what that means is, that people use their judgment. They're practicing medicine. There, are, there aren't always hard and fast answers. And so a doctor uses his experience, years of experience. Uh, he reads the research. He, he reads the literature. He knows what he's experienced in the field. And he makes a decision. And when a doctor makes a decision, much like a lawyer, and they do it in consultation with their client, the person who retains control of the decision-making process is not the doctor or the lawyer. It's the patient or the client. And so I have respect for people when they say, hey, look, I've weighed my risks as I deem it prudent to do. I've talked to my doctor. I've read the literature to the extent I want to. I've decided to get the vaccine. I've come to a different conclusion. 
Uh, you reference uh, Malone and McCullough, and I think anybody who wants to know about the subject who's not listened to those doctors, who's not read what they write, well, then you don't actually understand the arguments. And I think it's important. Malone, the inventor of the mRNA sequence vaccines, this is the guy who started the ability to use these vaccines against disease. He says this is bad stuff. He says, we don't know what the results will be, but he doesn't believe they'll be good and we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. He says, specifically in regard to children, no way, no how. We've got virtually a zero risk profile to children. Why would we take any risk? And he believes it's a grave risk. You have Dr. McCullough, who has written the protocol for how to both prevent it uh, with natural remedies, pre prevent disease with supplements. I, I'm on McCullough's supplement regime. I travel a lot. I shake a lot of hands. I give people hugs. Uh, as far as I know, unless I was asymptomatic, I've not had the disease. And I, I would attribute that to I boosted my immune system using the protocols that he suggests. And then ultimately, if you get sick, McCullough has been hyper successful. Virtually everybody he treats, as long as they're not far along and don't have severe comorbidities. But even in that case, sometimes they're all getting well again. And so the question is, again, if you have protocols that allow people to become healthy after they get the disease, and we know that their natural immune system will be stronger once they've had the disease. Why do we want people? Why certainly, why are we forcing people to get the vaccine? Again, I think, and I would take this to a, a new level. This is not just a choice when the government starts forcing people and businesses start trying to force people to do something that has a risk profile to it. Then you have to say, is that moral? And my answer is it's not moral. And in fact, I would go so far as to say it's evil. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. So what can we do? That's why I brought you on today, because I want to know as a mom, um, as an influencer, I believe that God has given me this podcast that can actually reach around the world um, and I need to steward it well. I cannot sit by and like Edmund Burke says, and not do anything because evil will triumph. So what are some things that we can do today to become involved and, and to make a difference and to stop this tyranny? So I'm going to give you the easy stuff first and we'll finish with the hard stuff. The easy stuff is you should contact your city council. You should contact your county board of supervisors, your school board, your congressman and say absolutely no to mandates and tell them that there will be consequences, that you will vote for people who would not do these things if they're doing these things, that you will work for people to take them out of office if they do these things against our will. So getting involved politically and some people might say, wow, that's the easy part. I mean, you want me to do all this stuff? Yeah, that's the easy part. Because the hard part is this, just resist. Don't do it. Don't give in. And the reason I say that's a hard part, it, it might sound on the surface like it's easy. And I will say for somebody like me who does this for a living, I, I talk about these things for a living. I'm supposed to be the contrarian. I don't really get in trouble for it. I know there are people who hate me, but that has always existed. But for me, I'm not going to get fired because of it. But some of you will. And the question is, where's your hill? What hill will you die and where will you plant your flag? I think this is the hill is my opinion. So if they were trying to force my kids and my kids were still school age, mine are grown now, but I would pull my kids out of school. What would I do with them? Maybe I can't afford to put them in private school. I would homeschool them and people say, well, that's hard. You know, some people can't do that. And my question is, and again, I, I'm not trying to say this is easy. I'm recognizing it's a hard thing. What are your kids worth to you? You say it's hard. What are your kids worth to you? What wouldn't you do for your kids? They're talking about injecting a substance into your children that is mandatory. They're making you do this against your judgment as parents. And are you going to say, well, it's going to create a hardship in my life? Or are you going to throw your body in front of your kids? And I'm arguing that you ought to throw your body in front of your kids. You ought to say no. I'm arguing that even if you lose your job, you ought to say no. Like, 
Over 9,000 first responders have done in New York, 3,000 police officers in Chicago. You ought to say no, because this is your body. God has given you that body, not the state, not the school board, not the city council. God has given you that body to possess, and you have an obligation to protect it. And it is up to you. It is your decision. It is you're the sovereign over your own body on this earth. And it's up to you what you put in your body. So I would say the answer is resist. I'll give you a very specific example. This may seem small, but if anybody follows my Instagram page, what you'll see is every time I travel, I'm in airports all over the country, travel a couple hundred thousand miles a year, do not wear my mask in the airport. They want me to, but it's mask theater and there's no consequence. Literally, I've done this all over the country. And this trip that I just went on recently was the first time in an airport anybody had even said anything to me. I generally, they make me put it on in TSA. I try to get through without it. They make me put it on. I do. Soon as I'm out of TSA, man, that thing comes off. It's in my pocket. I feel like a free man walking through the airport. I'm the only person. I've not seen another person, generally speaking, walking through the airports. If I do, I congratulate them. I thank them. But I'm the only person, basically, and you've got to do that. These are small things, but these are acts of resistance. What would happen if one day everybody in the airport just took their masks off? 80%, 70, 60, 50%. There's nothing they could do. And this is the kind of resistance we must practice if we're to stop the march of tyranny. Yeah. The last time I flew, I walked through the airport with my mask off and my son kept saying, mom, I don't want you to get in trouble. And I said, (laughs) it's okay. It's all right. I am free to do this. And first of all, if you understand science, you know that the masks really do not work. That masks are about control. And my husband is very, has studied science his, his whole life. And from, from the moment this happened, he said, the only way that you can be protected from a virus like this is if you're in full PPE gear. A cloth mask is not going to protect you. So it, it is it is about control and we do need to resist. I ag- agree with you completely. Yeah, and I'd love to add something to this mask discussion, discussion if I could, because I do, like, like you, I do my homework. And so I don't want to just say masks are useless or masks don't do anything. I want people to understand there are real statistics Uh, recently a study came out of university of Waterloo. This is the most comprehensive study of the use of masks. The N95 mask is considered the standard, the gold standard of masks. Uh, You've probably seen people with these masks on. They almost, they look more like a, they have some structure to them. They come to a point and they look like a bird bill almost. Uh, and the deal is an N95 mask worn properly according to university of Waterloo is 50% effective against virus transmission. Now I want to add you don't wear your mask properly. I don't wear my mask properly. If you've not been trained in the use of personal protective equipment, PPE, as you call it, and by the way, medical medical schools give you at least one semester of training on how to properly use PPE. If you've not been trained in that, you're not doing it properly. In other words, an N95 mask is good for about four hours. You got to throw it away. Once you put it in your pocket, it's not good anymore. Set it down anywhere. It's not good anymore. You don't touch your N95 mask after you put it on because then you've contaminated the outside of the mask. So nobody's using them properly. At their very best, they're 50% effective. The traditional paper surgical masks that most of us wear, the disposable surgical masks, are shown to be 10% effective. That means, let's presume you have the virus, you're actively shedding the virus, you're breathing out viral particles, 90% of them escape the mask. In other words, 
There's no reason to wear the mask. It's ridiculous. And by the way, the mask also has negative health effects. We know this one. There are psychological effects of not seeing anybody's face, not being able to understand facial impressions. I feel for deaf folks who read lifts. I feel for people who really rely on facial expression. About 75% of our interaction as human beings is body language and facial expression. Outside words, all of that's gone. Kids with learning disabilities, kids with autism, they rely on these things. They're struggling with these things. Kids with hearing disabilities are struggling with these things. We know that they retain viral loads in large amounts. We put them in our pockets. We reach in our pockets. Now we've got that viral load all over our hands if we're sick. So all these things are going on. The masks are not only theater. They're not only fake, but they're doing damage to our society. So I would just say to you broadly, boldly, everywhere you can, don't wear a mask. And here's my general rule. I say, I don't wear a mask, but I also try not to be a jerk. So I'll walk into a store. I'm not wearing a mask. I go in. If the people who work there ask me to wear a mask, I'll play and say, hey, no, thanks. If they're insistent, I'm not going to be a jerk. I'll just leave. I'll say, you know, if you want me to take my business elsewhere, I will. Unless I need to be in there, I'm going to leave the store, leave the premises. But I don't also, I just, we're, we're Christians. And so I'm not going to be a jerk to people. I feel for the employees who are put in this position. I feel for the shop owners or some of their customers are worried about this stuff. So don't be a sheep but also don't be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a great place to end this interview. Don't be a sheep, but don't be a jerk. Well, I, like you, am thankful that I live in the great state of Texas because I do feel free to walk around without my mask, thanks to our governor. And I just want to thank you for the work that you are doing on our behalf and praying that God will help you and keep you strong for the work that he has for you to do. So thank you so much for coming on the By His Grace podcast today. My honor, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey friend, before you go, did you know that there are still places all around the world where the name of Jesus has never been heard? That's why Operation Christmas Child is sending the gospel through simple shoebox gifts to the ends of the earth. The Greatest Journey follow-up discipleship program is teaching millions of children to put their faith in Christ and how to share that faith with others. As a result, entire communities are being transformed. National Collection Week is November 15th. To learn more about this global evangelism movement, visit samaritanspurse.org slash OCC. 